Hey, welcome back to The Last of Us presented by Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers, and I'm also joined by Joe Stark from Pop Culture Leftovers. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. And we are also joined by Melissa Sloter from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Hello. Thank you for having me. And Billy Blinks from The Reality Guys on YouTube. Welcome, Billy. What's going on, guys? No Jake again this week. We might not have him for a few weeks. He sent me a cryptic message in the form of an 80s song. So Jake is in danger somewhere. I don't know how to find him. I don't know what to do, guys. <laughs> Jake's just going to Jake. Jake going to Jake. Anyway, <laughs> we got episode two of The Last of Us. And uh, yeah, uh, not as long as the first episode. What was this one? About 50 some minutes, 55 minutes, somewhere around there. Yeah. Titled Infected. And this one was uh, they switched the directorial duties on this one. It was uh, directed by Neil Druckmann. Last week it was. Directed by Craig Mazane this week, directed by the uh, the the guy who created the game in the first place, Neil Druckmann. This one was written by Craig Mazine. Last week was written by Craig Mazine and Neil Druckmann. Uh, but I have to say, even with the switch, another solid episode. I thought this was fantastic. I mean, uh, we you know this one is like the one I think. We needed to watch before we get to like, you know, I guess like the solo stuff with uh, Ellie and Joel um, and uh, kind of them like out uh, in the open away from the QZ, the quarantine zone. It was our first introduction to what's going on outside of the quarantine zone in Boston. I loved it. I can't wait to break it down. What did you guys think, Joe? Oh, yeah. I loved this episode. They did such a good job of showing what this city is like after 20 years of being ravaged by this outbreak and, and these, oh, these these clickers, I guess, that are that are running around. And the, the level of horror that they baked into this and the scene that's in the museum and then also just having a heart-wrenching finish on it as well. This was another fantastic episode of television. Yeah. Melissa, what did you think about this one? Yeah, I agree. I um I think this episode was scarier. Um and I just really appreciate the way that they're able to continue world building without it feeling like exposition dumps, but we're slowing down and spending time with these characters, but you know, still learning new things about the world, including um these like horrified new monsters apparently called clickers. Yeah, clickers. Um one thing that you mentioned, like it's a scarier episode. I agree. I just wonder as the series goes on. Again, I am not a game player. I really don't know a lot about this world. So if you're looking for a podcast, it's not going to give you too many spoilers uh, from one of the hosts as far as like, you know, the game and things like that. This is the one to listen to because I am pretty much this is like I'm a Last of Us virgin. I mean, I really don't know a ton. And I wonder if the scare level going forward in this series, is it going to be scarier meeting clickers and some of these, you know, infected that have been around for a long time? Is it going to be scarier with the clickers or are the people going to be scarier than the clickers? You know, the people that we're going to be meeting, actual humans that are living outside these quarantine zones, are they going to be scarier? Because that makes me think of The Walking Dead and how, like, at the beginning, the fears with the zombies, but 
the further you go down into The Walking Dead, uh, whether it's the books, the comic books, or whether it's the TV show, it's like you've got to be more scared of the people. You know, the governor, Negan, the whisperers. I mean, the people get scarier in that series. It makes me wonder, is like, are we going to see the same thing here? Or is it going to be just like this, the threat of the clickers throughout this entire series? I, I don't know if it's going to be a blend. I have no idea. But Billy, what did you think about this episode? Absolutely love this episode. I guess if Brian is the Last of Us virgin, I'm the Last of Us slut here on the podcast. <laughs> I've played the first game, and now if, if you're listening for the first time, I'm currently playing the game again for the first time since its release back in 2013. But kind of stopping myself and not letting myself get too far ahead and trying to work to see the similarities and things like that. So for me, again, total A-plus episode. Right, you touched on a really interesting point, and it's something that will definitely develop throughout the series. It's a really almost a personal choice, almost. What would you find more terrifying, right? This whole show is about the loss of humanity and the loss of humans being what we know them to be and trying to reclaim that. So is it scarier to go against something like a clicker that lost its humanity by chance, or is it scarier actually to go with the people that are actually still human but have chosen to forsake their humanity and to be these literal monsters? And I promise, without it being a spoiler, you see plenty of both. And I'm really going to be interested to see what the general audience is and what you guys think going forward, what you find more terrifying. So total A-plus and a lot of things to dive into as far as the details and things from the game and Totally we talk about that throughout, but love this episode. It makes me wonder, man, because like, you know, in The Walking Dead, like the first time we meet Michonne, she's like being escorted by like two, two, uh, uh, two zombies that have had their like jaws removed so they can't bite her. And she's making and her their arms cut off, arms she's cut got off them on a leash. Yeah, it, it's, it's wild. But it makes you wonder, like, are we going to uh, meet people that are using clickers to attack other humans? You know, maybe – uh, they've captured some clickers and, you know, throw humans in a pit and, like, fight the clickers, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. dude, just these ideas that you're coming up with. You're a human being coming up with these awful, terrible ideas. And that, to me, is why humans in a dystopian, like, uh, situational story like what we got here with this breakdown of law and order, that's where humans are going to be probably the bigger threat because we're can use our brains to come up with really horrific fucking things to do to each other. Whereas these clickers, they're just, they're just doing what the fungus directs them to do, which is to just expand. Yeah. And so for me, I, I think the stuff that they could come up with to have humans do in a, in a setting like this is going to be very, very horrifying. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, further episodes and expanding upon that and meeting some other humans outside of the quarantine zone, seeing what they're up to. I'm sure not all are bad, but I'm sure there's, <laughs> there's groups of them that are going to be really bad. I wonder if like, if th- is this series going to have like their versions of Negan or the governor? You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward, uh, to, uh, to more episodes and getting further on down this series. Do we know how many seasons that they've kind of like mapped out yet has Druckmann come out with that information do we know i'm i'm a guessing it's just going to be two because from all reports that i've heard they're saying that the first season is going to fully adapt the first game and there's two games out there so maybe this is just going to go two seasons 
Yeah. Well, they could go past that, though. See, that's the thing, right? If they wanted to, like, well, yeah, especially because they got the original showrunner as, or, you know, the, the, they got the creator of the game as one of the showrunners on yeah. this. So they're perfectly set up to expand the universe if that's what they're going to do. Yeah. It's interesting. We'll see. I, I mean, I, I just see with this being, if, if this is a huge hit for HBO and like, you know, I think actually they said the second episode, this episode that we, that we're about to recap. It, viewership went up 22%. Yeah, that's wild. Right. That wild. There's no drop. It's just an increase. And they even said game sales were up like 200%, 300%, something insane. Game sales for The Last of Us. People, it's really gotten people to to want to play this game. People are downloading like um, The Last of Us on their PlayStations, whatever system. And, and it's crazy. Like <laughs> They are making big money, Naughty Dog and Sony right now. I mean, the, for that point, then I want to go back to that one season, two season thing is I mean, right now, the regular updated edition on PS5, and I had had it before, so it didn't come like, it's like 70 bucks. I mean, so the, they're, and it's a digital version. I mean, they are raking in cash on cash, which makes me wonder if like they can hold off and not do what my buddy George R. R. Martin did and sell their soul out down the river and actually do this story with one season for the first game. And this, this isn't a spoiler, but the second game, there is like a bit of a time jump. So, it could also be one of those things where they could take their time. doesn't have to be next year, right, or the year after even, and get the story right for TV again. And there has been a lot of rumors. I know you're not a game – like going to game news, but um, there's a lot of rumors right now that they're developing the third game. Interesting. So yeah. I would think that may be like, hey, second season comes – I mean they, these games take a while to come. So that, that might not be for another three, four years. You may not even see that game, but – it could line up well with them maybe doing a second season a few years from now and then boom, the third game and whatever that game is about, you know, they continue with the characters, then you could have that continue and grow. But I'm wondering, like you guys are saying, from what we've seen a lot of other TV and film and rights adapt adaptations, like will they do spinoffs maybe? Will it be like a Fear the Walking, Last of Us type of thing and characters we never saw in the game because i guess you could really could put them anywhere right so maybe that's kind of a way around it yeah i was thinking that as well like it might be like they might open expand this like a world like you know what they're they're seeing how popular game of thrones is and we've yeah they've had so many different series in development we recently got house of the dragon i mean there's a lot that they could do with this billy i guess we'll find out as it goes along but let's go ahead and break down this episode and in the first episode, uh, over the radio, we heard about, uh, you know, kind of like an incident going on in Jakarta, Indonesia. And we pick this episode up with the flashback of September 24th, 2003 in Jakarta, in Indonesia, where the initial outbreak uh, began. And we're introduced to a woman uh, Ibu Ratna, she's a professor of mycology at the University of Indonesia, and military men walk into a diner where she's eating, and they are bringing her in to look at a corpse. Um, and so we get the scene of her going in to, to look at this corpse. Uh, there's a woman on the table. And they want her to inspect the bite. She 
slices open a part of the woman's leg and you can see that there is some sort of like a fungal growth inside the woman. She then makes her way to the woman's mouth and takes like some – what is it? Like four, what do they call forceps? Yeah. And pulls out some of the fungal tendrils out of her mouth that are still moving outside of the body. It fre- oh, seemingly reaching for the doctor. Too. Like <laughs> yes. It, like it sensed that there was a, a human host nearby. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. And she that shit was terrifying. <laughs> so creepy. Well, she fucking she gets the fuck out of Dodge. She drops the forceps and gets out of there. And uh, basically at this point, it's like they're wanting to know, like, you know, this is your field. What can we do? We need a vaccine. We need to stop this. And the first episode, we saw the roundtable uh, with on the on the. Uh, uh, the talk show and the guy saying like something like in 1968, if something like this ever were to happen, we lose. There's no way to stop it. We lose. And we get the same thing here. She's like, there's no vaccine. There is no medicine that can stop this. What can we do then? Bomb, she says. Start bombing. Bomb this city and everyone in it. And then she starts to, like, weep and says she wants to go home and spend the remaining time with her family. And I was just like, holy shit. The the show in both episodes has just shown us what a hopeless situation this is. What a hopeless outbreak this is going to be for humanity. And I thought it was really well done. Oh, absolutely hopeless. To, to have, like, a scholar that's at the pinnacle of their field – say there there is no vaccine there's nothing you can do except for to bomb this like literally reduce this all to rubble and kill everybody here and maybe you're gonna stop this thing oh and also this uh confirmed the 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 theory that's been going around that this was started in flour because they're saying that this originated in a flour uh like processing mill and and the doctor says oh that's the perfect substrate for this this uh, mold or this fungus to grow in. Yeah. It's the uh, largest Jakarta has the largest flower processing plant in the world. And um, really ties back to a lot of the symbolism and like all the references we had in episode one, like he forgot the birthday cake, right? He doesn't eat the pancakes. They talk about like, he makes a joke about doing the Atkins diet where that, yeah, they, they don't eat the biscuits. Like, he, they don't eat any of the bread like in the, the old lady outside. They're eating the biscuits. Like you said, it's like all of these things. It's like it's very smart. It's just really awesome. They would even go back now to episode one just after episode two and even see how much they layered this in. And I know later Bri will talk about the spores versus the, the tendrils kind of change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, also Jakarta fun fact. That's where the raid takes place. So can you picture all those guys in that in that building, like all infected with their machetes? Oh, my and God. Shit? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Joe. Oh, man. The fan fiction you just came up with has my head spinning. Oh, my know, God. Right? I just want to see Eco Ues take on, uh, you know, clickers in a in a in a in an abandoned building, man. It would be rad. Someone meme this. Oh, incredible. Yeah. So back to the group here. Let's get back to 2023 now. And we've got our, you know, characters, Tess, Ellie, and Joel making their way. They're trying to make their way to the state house so they can drop off 
Ellie with the fireflies to get her to the military base. And uh, we see Ellie. She wakes up. Joel and Tess are just watching her at a distance. You know, they're, they're still not convinced that, you know, she's not going to turn. Oh, yeah. They're on high alert. <laughs> they're asking her questions, you know, about, uh, um, you know, like what kind of tests have they been performing on her? And she she lets them in on that kind of stuff. And uh, and then they, they, they find out that uh, she wants to get to a Firefly military base it's where people are working on cures joel basically cuts her off and he's 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 not impressed at all he's like yeah i've heard all this he and he thinks it's not real there's no cure he wants no part of this he just thinks it's bullshit and uh we then see that uh joel's hand has been uh injured uh he talks about it being a hairline fracture and how it's going to heal fast um I thought it was interesting that his hand, he's got like tremors, which are obviously from, you know, pain and maybe nerve damage, but it's the same thing that happens when you get infected. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you think that that's what they were just trying to do here, trying to get us? I I was not worried at all. Like this, I wasn't worried, but it did make me think that like when you're out here in the wild and... You're on drugs or you're tired, you know, people get jumpy. So you could have just like a normal run of the mill, like body irregularity and somebody just shoots you in the head (laughs) because your hand was broken. So you can't hold on to things. So you're shaky. Yeah, you definitely don't want to just like another thing to worry about when you're not in the safety, quote unquote, of the quarantine zone. Yeah. Think about like the next time, you know, they come across some other humans that might be something that they look mm-hmm. at and be like, oh, this guy's infected. And if and if they don't have any way to test, I mean, the safest bet for them, if they don't want to get their group infected, is just to put Joel down. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, you can't take risks if you're out there in the middle of nowhere and you've got a relatively small compound. Yeah, that's I mean, a- it would have to be terrifying to to let strangers in. Yeah, that's a great point, mm-hmm. Melissa. Sure. That's a great point. I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. Um, Tess, though, uh, unlike Joel, is starting to believe that maybe Ellie is part of a cure and she has some hope here, but she's like, listen, either way, if we can just deliver Ellie to the Fireflies, we can get the battery. They find value in her. It doesn't matter if we believe it or not. They believe it. If we can deliver Ellie, we can get the car battery. That's what we need to track down Tommy in Wyoming. And so Joel, in the previous episode, we know that she's kind of he, – he does listen to Tess. And we know that Tess is making a good point here. He knows it. So he agrees. And this is where they leave to go outside and we get a shot of a, of a crater. We, so Ellie asks, is this where they bombed? And so you know, when uh, the, Dr. Ratta was talking about bombing areas, this is what they were doing. They were bombing mm-hmm. big cities like this. Yeah. And it – Apparently it worked well enough here, but it didn't work everywhere. So Well and it's like this is this is it working? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Boston wasn't nearly as overrun as some other major cities apparently. Yeah, because th- right? they were talking about how Boston craters in the damn street. Well Ellie it was sounds ta- crazy to say, guys, but it's like the way to slow it is for there to be less hosts. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you do you really do need to like Thanos that bitch. Hearing them their- say the <laughs> phrase stop the spread gave me like chills. 
No, it's it sucks. It's crazy. But that fact is, like, if they have a full population, millions, tens of millions of people in all these cities, the world's over quick. I mean, mm-hmm. quick, quick, right? So mm-hmm. it sounds brutal, but it was like we got to try to kill off as many as we can, or take off these big population clusters so that we can slow the inevitable. And like, I don't think again, I don't think in this world they ever imagined there being some sort of a cure, like like this Ellie situation popping up. So. It's really interesting. Well, I mean, even I definitely Ellie... feel great about living in a huge city right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just don't look up. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ellie herself was talking about how, you know, she thought that the city was going to be like overrun. She had heard rumors about that. And it's not really not the case here. You know, it's it's bad, but it's not as bad as it could be. They've yeah. eaten all their food. And well, people are in the quarantine zone, too. Well, exactly. I mean, because now they're pretty much down to people that are either smugglers that are going through the city or travelers that, you know, like Tess says, travelers that are making their way through the city trying to get to the quarantine zone. Uh, Speaking of smugglers, the stuff with the chicken and the chicken sandwich was so funny. (laughs) Um, That was great. You know, Marlene gets it from smugglers. Apparently not you guys. And then (laughs) Ellie can't have a gun. She's like, oh, good. I'll just throw a chicken sandwich at them. I love that. (laughs) I love like the little snappy comebacks that she has. Me too. Oh, yeah. She's she's fantastic. (laughs) Also that she can actually eat a sandwich without being stressed. (laughs) The thing- I wonder what sort of jerky that was that Joel and Tess were eating. I'm assuming it was like rat or something like that. Oh. And uh, it looks like Demolition Man with the people down in the sewers eating rat burgers. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I love that. John Spartan eats one. He's just like, yum. <laughs> She's like, do you see any cows around here? Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, another thing I thought about um, with Ellie in this section is all the talk of the school she goes to. Like, she knows where Detroit is, but they're not teaching her how long infecteds live. So they're really controlling the information that these, like, post-pandemic kids have. That that conversation happens a little later. Okay, sorry. Damn you, Melissa. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm too excited to dig into uh, post cordyceps apocalypse schooling. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> they never taught that at Hogwarts, did they? Let's see here. <laughs> Dunham. Oh fuck you, Billy. <laughs> Remember when I said I wanted more Billy on this episode? I, th- that wasn't me, dude. What do you mean? Just, uh, just a house drum. Dial it, <laughs> dial it back, dickhead. It was the frog. The frog jumped on the drum just like the keys, you know? Sorry. Oh, boy. I love that frog. I was really happy to see that, like, ducks don't get infected. Yeah, that was... Uh, yes, we all were, Melissa. Well, can you imagine you have to worry about every creature now, too? That's true. That's true. I don't know. I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen animals get infected by cordyceps yet. So that's good. That's good. I don't want to zombie see... ducks actually would be terrifying. Oh, no. Oh, I, shit. I'm thinking I'm thinking zombie rhinos. Like if you're living. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, the safari must be crazy. Uh, it's the only time we can all celebrate that they're almost extinct. Yeah, no shit. 
Uh, let's see here. They need to make their way to the state house for this meeting with the fireflies. Uh, Joel wants to get a look ahead at the path, but he he, he wants to get the best view, it's, which is going to be at the top of the hotel. So they're making their way to the hotel. And while they're making their way to the hotel, Tess asks Ellie if anybody is going to be coming for her. And she says, you know, mother, father, boyfriend. Uh, Ellie says, I'm an orphan. And uh, no. And I don't know if you guys took it this way, but it sounded to me like Ellie might not be in the boys. Yes. Yes. That felt like a lie. And also a little indication of her sexuality, maybe. Not really. It doesn't even have to be a lie. She's like, she's like asking like a boyfriend coming. She's like, uh, no, she definitely knows no boyfriends coming for her. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the, that line delivery was so funny too. Cause she's like, and no, <laughs> I, it is explored in the games. Well, could it be Riley? We heard about, that's what I thought too. Yeah. We heard about Riley in the first episode. I wonder if it could My be Riley. My note after that line is, who is Riley? Yeah, exactly. And, um, and was Riley with her? Well, I'm, I guess I, I'm I'm get, I got that question too, Joe. Okay, good, good. <laughs> that, I got that one in the chamber. Look at you trying to jump ahead like Melissa over there. <laughs> we're both going over Stoker. Yeah, fucking. We were talking about frogs earlier, Billy. They're trying to leapfrog into this episode. <laughs> but a bump. Fuck you, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) Ellie's asking questions about the infected and eventually says, so there aren't super infected that explode fungus spores on you. And Tess says, shit, I hope not. And so this is like a kind of like an Easter egg for fans of the game. And showrunner Neil Druckmann talked about the choice to not use spores Billy, do you have that quote loaded up? Yeah, I do, actually. One sec. Yeah, so, like Brian said, from Neil Druckmann, the game had spores in the air and people had to wear gas masks, and we decided early on that we didn't want to do that for the show. Eventually, those conversations led us to these tendrils. And then just thinking about how there's a passage that happens from one infected to another, and like the fungus does, it would become a network that is interconnected. That was a via collider. Okay. Yeah. Druckmann also had um, uh, quotes uh, on the reaction, on, on the reaction to spore removal and fan backlash, possible fan backlash from, uh, from the games. He said, I've learned to expect backlash from sneezing. I think it speaks to the kind <laughs> of fans that we have who are, who are so protective and love the world and these amazing characters so much that anything they see as a deviation without the full context of what it means, they assume the worst and push back on it. I think that addition is something worthwhile. It's actually one of those additions where I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had we, we had had it for this game. I wish we had thought of it years ago because I love it so much. So, um, Billy, you being the game player here, honest opinion. Was it a good choice? Was it a good decision? So I, so, I, I don't think it's going to, at the end of the day, make a huge difference. Again, I'm. From the game perspective, I, I guess I understand what he's talking about with the gas mask. I think he's over kind of exaggerating, at least for as far as I've gotten. 
that like they have these gas masks on very much. I mean, Ellie never does because she doesn't need one. And that's kind of see how here. In, and I know we haven't gotten to that point yet, but she gets scratched or bit for a second time. And that's kind of what gives Joel his affirmation. Like, OK, like this is for real. She is immune in the game. It's during one of these sections where you run in early on and there's a the whole thing is spored out and he has to throw the mask on. And she just doesn't put a mask on and he's freaking out about it and then quickly realizes she's fine. So it is like a pretty integral part of the game and the layout. And like they're kind of alluding to some of the enemies are spore based enemies. So I I would think they're just going to have to kind of change those spores. And then, like you said, more like tendril based enemies. So that's something, again, as a game player, I'm looking forward to seeing like how they adjust it, because, again, it's very much a, a a big staple of the gameplay and of like the aesthetics. So um, I, I, I trust it. I like the hive mind idea. I think that is kind of cool. It's a little like stranger thingsy to me a little bit, but again, that's probably the only like sci-fi S to me that seems a little bit more of a stretch. But besides that, I don't really have any complaints. I have a, a couple things here about this decision. I think number one having characters behind masks the entire time and then having to listen to their voices behind a mask might get a little annoying after a while. And I know that there's ways to do it, um, but it might be a little bit more expensive than what they're wanting to do on a show like this. I know in uh, The Way of Water, when all the characters, the human characters are uh, Avatar The Way of Water, all the human characters that are wearing masks in that movie on the planet of Pandora, because you can't mm -hmm. breathe the air there, they all have masks on. But what James Cameron did was the actual shield over the mask was CGI. They could have done that here. That's going to cost you a little bit more money, HBO. Mm -hmm. um, and then also on the flip side, the sound, this might be just a small thing, but hear me out. Our main actor here, Pedro Pascal, wears oh a God. mask through the, throughout the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And to hear the same voice through a mask again in this show might be too similar to what we hear out of his character, Din Djarin, in the Mandalorian and take you out of it a little bit. There's times where I hear his voice in this show and I'm just like, that. it just sounds like Din, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I get I, that same vibe sometimes. I, I, when you said that, Brian, I thought you were going to go to the fact that Pedro Pascal came in and he's like, I am wearing a mask for 5% of my scenes in this show. People will see my face. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't want people yeah. acting like I'm not the one in the show. <laughs> <laughs> So, Ellie, I'm not familiar oh, with the game, but the thing that I like about the change is that everything that they, they talked about with funguses taking up a very large space underground and having tendrils that reach out for a really long ways. And it, you know, if you if something happens over here, it can affect the things that are over there because underground it's all connected. That is something that is very true about funguses. Like if you're out like hunting for mushrooms or whatever in the spring, it's there's a reason that they always grow up in the same areas. If you're going to these same places over and over again, it's because it's a very large organism that's underground. And these bits that sprout up are are just the tip of the iceberg, you know, to say. Freaky. It yeah, is very really freaky. Like that network concepts. Well, Earth is Pandora now to so talk more about Avatar. Um, but. 
the idea that you would see spores get freaked out, put on a mask, or run is one type of horror. But the idea that you don't know what or who you could be waking up with any step you take, that's dread. That's lasting. I think that's a great change for TV. Yeah, I think I think it's smart what they did for TV. And I think that maybe the game players should kind of just like let this one slide a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And just for my part, I personally haven't heard any game players say that they actually have a problem with this. I 100 percent believe him that he is getting backlash on it because we've all been on the Internet. But, yeah, I mean, at least from my places on the Internet, I haven't seen that. So hopefully it's actually a little less than he thought it would be. It'll be interesting. It would be interesting to go to a Reddit board and see what you know the game players are saying about this. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think again yeah, the game. I don't never go into game spoilers or anything like that here. But the the ver- the first game is revered. I mean, and I think the fact that they are literally taking some scene for scene each episode so far and really sticking true to it. A lot of like the divisiveness came with the second game and with some of the like story decisions and with just like some of the themes and stuff like that and that's really where any kind of negative opinion really from the fandom would come from so i would be surprised with unless they literally kill off other characters or really change the ending or whatever like that i really wouldn't see the game players hopefully super gatekeeping this season i'm just like picturing like all these hardcore fans protesting outside of his house with like signs that say like it's a big deal neil just wait until they announce that ryan johnson will be directing season two <laughs> and that's a star wars joke but fuck you billy um <laughs> yeah. ellie talks about uh uh, in the infected uh, with split open heads that see in the dark like bats. And so she's she's basically talking about infected that use echolocation. And that's like uh, something that we will see later in this episode. Um, Tess- oh, when she said that with me <clears throat> being so unfamiliar with the games and the way that, that Joel and Tess reacted and kind of looked at each other, I was like, oh, my God, that's a fucking thing. Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's a thing. <laughs> Tess talks to Ellie about how she got her bite. Uh, she says that she snuck into a boarded up mall that was within the quarantine zone and she got bit. Um, she says that she went by herself. But again, Joe, you alluded to this earlier. Do we really believe that or did she possibly go with a person that was mentioned in the first episode? And of course, we're talking about Riley here. Yeah, I think she went in with Riley and I think Riley met her her end during that attack. Yeah. In the first episode, uh, Riley was actually brought up by Marlene, who asked uh, Ellie if Riley was a terrorist. So, yeah, I'm kind of thinking it. I'm kind of thinking it's Riley that we and we'll, we'll I think we're from some of the scenes that we've seen for, you know, what's coming in the season that we're going to be we're going to get to see this firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's something that's going to happen. I think it'll be at some point when when maybe uh, Ellie and Joel are having some sort of heart to heart and she's going to share with what really happened and who she lost mm-hmm. that, that meant something to her during this. 
Tess, definitely something I'm really looking forward to. Tess tells Ellie that, uh, you know, she's got some big balls. She's like, you got some big balls, sister, for doing that and uh, going that alone. Um, and I think in this moment, you know, Joel kind of just looks over. But I think in this moment, Tess is really impressed by Ellie because she knows what that takes. I mean, she's a smuggler. She's broken into places like this to get items and to get things that they need. And so I think she's impressed by the fact that this young kid went into that, you know, boarded up mall and made it out alive. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think Ellie also getting that sort of praise from Tess. I think at this point they haven't known each other very long, but I think that Ellie really looks up to Tess. Mm-hmm. And I think that getting that praise from her really meant a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Joel is still like we saw in the last episode, you know, him, you know, go after that quarantine zone soldier and beat him to death to protect her. But we haven't seen like a tender side of Joel to Ellie at all. And I think Mm -hmm. he's built up this wall with her because of the loss of his daughter and he doesn't want to get attached emotionally Oh, no, 100%. There's there's visual cues. I mean, there's times where you see Joel look at Ellie and then he looks down at the watch, obviously thinking about Sarah. It's it's he's just you can tell right now he's trying so hard not to let her in because it's just the fear of the inevitable chance that that could happen again. I think there's respect for Tess as well from Joel. 100% there's respect for Tess for Joel. But I think that he's also built up walls around her. As well, I don't think he's ever been able to let or love anybody since Mm -hmm. what happened. And maybe I think Ellie's the first time where he's starting that kind of like foundation is starting to shake. Right. But I do think it's something that Tess notices as well. And like, you know, while she's upset or sad about that, he can't reciprocate or hasn't reciprocated those feelings. There is part of me that thinks she does have a genuine hope and think that the connection there for the two of them is real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They make their way to the old hotel. They get in, they go inside. Um, you know, like the, the ground level has been flooded. It, it looks like a swamp inside. There's like lily pads floating around. Uh, and this is where we see Ellie acting her age. You know, she's, <laughs> she's heard about these in books, which she says, and, and she starts acting like a kid. She starts ringing the bell at the desk and asking for like, you know, baggage her be taken to her room and all this other stuff. And, and, I, in that moment, I'm like, be quiet. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, you don't. And, and I understand that the game is like a go around and explore type game. But in this scenario, it's like, don't go around and explore. <laughs> don't go and ring a bell. Right. This is not Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Settle down, kid. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So um, this is where Tess uh, makes her way to find like an opening to, to let them because they're blocked or something. Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's they, like they, rubble that fell in their way or something. Yeah. So they can't like push open a door or something. So we've got a moment here where Ellie and Joel are left together and, and Tess is out trying to find a way for them to get through. And uh, Ellie starts asking Joel like where he's from. He says, Texas. He, he explains that Tess is from Detroit. That's in Michigan. She's like, I know where Detroit is. I go to school. And <laughs> Ellie asks Joel, um, you know, how long do the infected live? He basically says that, you know, it could be anywhere from a few months 
But he also said there's a few of them walking around that have been around for 20 years. And I'm thinking like the longer they're around, could the longer that they're around, could that be like the more menacing and scary these fuckers look when we see them? I think 100%. so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really think so, because it's if if that fungus has just had that much more time on a host that doesn't expire, that fungus is just going to keep growing and growing and growing is is what I think. Yeah, that's scary to think about, right? I mean, we might see some that like look like fucking Sauron with his armor, you know, where they just look huge. Yeah. Yeah. That would be sick. Uh, Ellie asks Joel if he feels bad when he kills the infected, knowing that they were once people. He says sometimes. And um, then they uh, Tess gets them through, and, and they're on their way now to um, – uh, the state they're, they're still on their way to the state house and they're on the roof of the hotel and from there we can see a large group of the infected that are feeding on the streets below and this was a really cool shot not just of the the infected but like we also got to see a cool shot of boston itself and i thought i i i just i just thought it was awesome yeah, the the way that they did that with the ruined city, it looks so realistic. It's it's you you can you watch this show and it's easy to forget that this is all CGI. Just the way that they tie the background in, the way they blend it with the actors in the foreground, and man, seeing all those infected down on the street, and when that ray of sunlight goes over them and they all react at the same time is so creepy. Yeah, they mm-hmm. they start to they start to move in unison. So it's like a hive mind and this is where Tessa is talking about how they're connected and if you step on a patch of the cordyceps in one place, there's this underground fungal connection that will alert cordyceps in other areas. It's kind of like a fungal tripwire and uh, a really inventive way to track down humans in this world. Oh, absolutely. It also makes for a way to get away from like the convenient plot device of someone being around every quarter and happening to show up where you are. But it's because you're actually stepping on the network and it draws them to where you are. So it helps make sense in that respect, too. Absolutely. Yeah. I Uh, liked this moment as um, like relationship building between Tess and Ellie. You know, she's trying to explain to her like, yeah, you can't get infected, but you're not immune to being ripped apart. There are other things out here. And since Ellie's a kid who, yeah, I don't think her life has been easy. She was in military school. She's an orphan. I mean, look around the world, but she's lived a relatively sheltered life. She might not realize that there are people um, that are willing to do her harm or that these infected could do things other than just bite her. Yeah, the fact that if she gets in like the middle of a herd and you're right, if they start, you know, she says it, if the, if they start tearing her apart, I mean, she's done. Mm-hmm. And 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 there there goes any possible cure. Um I, yeah, this I, show's so excellent because I sometimes not sometimes. I basically completely forget even though Tess tells Ellie we're doing this for us, I forget that their goal is not to protect her. Like their goal is to deliver her so that they can get what they need and for there to be a cure. Like, but so so many of these moments just seem like, you know, people trying to protect a young person. Well, she she says that at the beginning. She's like, you know, let me. I'm going to talk to you like an adult. Mm -hmm. Like, 
we're bad people and you're worth something and you know and and so i think they're they're protecting her up to a point like she is Mm -hmm. you know like protecting valuable cargo valuable cargo exactly like i'm now worried that this show is going to do something that like just fucks me up emotionally because i keep getting so lured into thinking that they all care about each other (laughs) (laughs) well i think during the course of this episode you see the change in tess yeah where at the beginning of the episode she's daring to hope and by the end of the episode she full-on believes and in i think this conversation that we're talking about right now where tess is telling her you know you might be you might be immune to them infecting you but you're not immune to them ripping you apart. I'm telling you this to keep you alive. You know, it's important mm-hmm. that we get you to this place alive. And more so as the episode develops, obviously her motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Expedite that. The path that they were planning to go on, it's, you know, I mean, it's infected. There's no way they can make it through that. So they decide to go through a museum and, yeah, I liked how earlier they had the long or they had the the what was it the long way and the way that the short way where you go if you're going to die. Yeah. And so they tried going the long way first and now they have to go the short way. And we see a body um they make their way into the museum. First there's like there's blood tracks leading inside. And they make their way inside the museum and the body that we see, it looks like it's a fresh body that's, it's just recently been killed. Um, Joel outside, yeah, outside the building, like he's seeing like the fungus and it's old and it's, you know, dead and cracked. And, and he's thinking like, you know, it's old. Don't worry about it. There shouldn't be any infected inside. And uh, now we see this uh, this freshly killed body and Joel and Tess are a little bit shaken by this because of the of the kill. And even Ellie mentions like when they attacked me, it wasn't like this. And so they're alluding to, you know, (laughs) to something else Mm -hmm. in this in this museum that we have to worry about. And this is where we meet the clickers. Like these are the zombies that uh, Ellie was talking about that have echolocation, which is in the real world, primarily used by bats and dolphins. It's, it's the location of objects by reflected sound. So it's nothing that humans can do until they're infected. <laughs> and so this is this is freaky. Um they oh, the sounds they make are horrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like not just the clicks, oh but the, like the other sounds the, like yeah. oh, it's is chilling. I thought I was listening I really to it. I don't di- like the way they move. <laughs> I thought I was yeah, listening to twitchiness and the yeah, it's like the oh my god. The this is steps. like unlocked a new primal fear which is like humanoid I, like object, not objects, but like humanoid creatures that just move incorrectly. <laughs> like that really fucking freaked me out. They need to have a cut of this. Somebody needs to make it on the internet where instead of making that ah! sound, they do like the the disturbed guy, like ooh, ah! that ooh, ah! Ooh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yes, because <laughs> all these people are down with the sickness. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's good. Look at that. There you go, Joe. Yeah, da da da. Why don't you give me a drum roll there, Billy? 
No, that was that was good. No, was I, good. hey, I set him up. Fuck you. <laughs> you did. No, you, you can hit the symbol. <laughs> I get no credit from you, Billy. You get no. Joe hits the drums. You hit the symbol. <sighs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> they're on the second floor, and they make their way into a room. And behind them, the ceiling falls, makes all this noise. It's also impossible for them to get out. This attracts the clickers. And um, at this point, Joel is basically saying no more talking from this point on. And at, and then later he's like he, mo- he hand motions to Ellie that they, they can't see but they can hear. And the clickers are super close to them. Walking around, creeping around, making the disturbed noises, clicking. And Ellie closes her eyes. She doesn't, she's scared. And then when she opens them and then sees one of them walk around the corner, she exhales really loud. And that's when they hear her. And we are off to the races with the clickers in this moment. Um, I, I, I I was I, – I kept thinking like with them having to be really quiet around these clickers, it really reminded me of the movie A Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys got that. I think that's a pretty fair enough. The sound, I mean, again, it's it's that's one of the tougher things. It may be almost easier to not be seen, to hide behind things, right, but to not be heard at all. And if any little sound you make, you're just dialed in on it's – that's very uneasy to me. And to well, not be able to more so communicate with others when they're around is – I mean it just takes everything away from you. Yeah, I was I, waiting for Ellie to lose it and scream because I was feeling like that's what I would do in her situation. Is <laughs> 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 just get like too scared and have a meltdown that involves a lot of noise. You're, oh, you're, yeah. you're dead in this scenario, Melissa. Oh, I, I, I'm dead. My contacts are dry. I can't see. It's over for me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, to be asked to remain completely silent while you're mortally terrified, that's a, that's a tall order. And, and yeah, you can see in this scene how Ellie fails at it. And then when that thing whips its head to the side and does that screech looking directly at her, that is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, the creature designs on these are awesome. Yeah, the the practical effects are just spot on and and just so creepy. They work so well on the screen. Um, and the way they uh, move, it's, it's just nightmare fuel. The way they move is it doesn't look human. It doesn't look zombie-ish either. It's it's wild the way that they move. Um and then also the fact that they're wearing clothing is super mm-hmm. weird with the with the heads that they have. I mean, it's just super weird. Cause like, you'll see them fall down and they're wearing a hoodie and sneakers. It's like, Oh my God, it's just bizarre, man. Um, and like, it seems like it's only like the, their faces, like some of them, it seems like the back of their heads were like relatively normal, normal where you could get like tricked into thinking this was not going to have a mushroom face. In the game too, they're they're super powerful and they're pretty common. But like, if you get hit by one once, you're done. Unless you have a shiv on you, like a knife on you, and that only gets them away from you. It doesn't kill them. So it's like th- those things are are super brutal. And most of the game encourages you to try to do whatever you can to 
go around them, behind them, throw bottles, bricks to have them chase after sound and you head the other way, right? Like that type of stuff. Oh, that's smart. Um, Joel eventually shoots one dead and then Tess puts a hatchet in the other one. And then Joel proceeds to blast it in the head and kill it. And um, we find out that during the battle that Ellie was bitten again. And she says if it was going to happen to one of us, you know. And so um, on my second watch, I, 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 when she said that, I, it, 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 it was different for me on my second mm-hmm. watch. Yeah. Yeah. It hits differently on a rewatch. Yeah. Um, Joel asks Tess if she's all right. She's got a twisted ankle. And so Joel goes to bandage Tess's foot as, uh, you know, they're making their way from the roof, from one rooftop to the other rooftop. There's a, a wooden, um, plank, uh, connecting the two rooftops. Ellie makes her way to the other rooftop. Tess and Joel stay behind and he's bandaging up her foot. And, um, He's basically thinking like the second bite that Ellie got might actually infect her. And Tess is not having it. She wants him to look on the bright side for once, that maybe for once they can actually win. And that was I th- tough. That was tough. Yeah. Well, and it really shows how much Tess understands Joel, that, that Joel is completely devoid of hope. He's just living day to day. He's surviving. He's just and I think part of what allows him to do that is that he's cut himself off from decision making because Tess is his decision maker. Mm-hmm. There was a moment earlier in the episode that really showed their connection to when she's coming back down to let them through up to the roof before you even see her, you hear her be like, put down your gun, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. We can see the state house now. They're approaching it. We see a truck. It's abandoned. They don't know if it is. Joel goes to check it out. There's a corpse that's not far away from it, though. There's a trail of blood leading inside. Um, Tess goes inside. They find more corpses. Apparently, there was a group inside. Sick ones, healthy ones. The healthy ones fought the sick ones. The healthy ones didn't make it. And... Joel at this point is just like, okay, it's over. It's time to go home. And Tess is adamant. Joel needs to get Ellie to her destination. And well, that's the way not Tess, my home. Yeah, the way Tess flips out and yells, that is not my home. Yeah. And now Ellie figures it out before Joel does. Tess got infected. Mm-hmm. They did give some visual cues. Obviously, I knew that this was going to be coming. So there was like a little bit earlier on. You do see her like the tumble. She kind of like rubs her arm or like the collarbone area a little bit. You do see her. So if you go back and rewatch again, there is like a quick, subtle nod to it. Uh, how it plays out. One, the the state house looks like set for set identical to the game, which was awesome to see. Um, but once we get through how this plays out, inevitably, um, go, it, it's, it is different. It does end differently, this scenario, than in the game. And Tess basically at this point starts begging Joel 
to commit to taking Ellie to Bill and Frank. She says um, they'll take her off your hands. And it looks like from the scenes in the next episode, we're going to get maybe a mix of flashbacks and real time Mm -hmm. of what's going on. And we're going to get to meet Bill and Frank in the next episode. Yeah, that was what I was thinking, too. And um, Tess is basically pleading with Joel. Like, she tells him she never asked him to feel the way that she felt. That's devastating. She's talking about, I I think she's talking about, and you'll probably agree, she's talking about love. Basically saying that she loved him, but he never... He never said it to her, or at least never she ad- was, admitted it yeah, to her. Yeah, she was willing to be in whatever relationship he was up for, and this is the only thing she's ever asked him for. It's so sad. Well, especially what we see later with, like, the kiss. Like, you know, Oof. it's kind of oh, like... That was... Well, it's like, you know, the kiss she should have got from Joel, now it's like the kiss of death, you know? Yes. Oh, I hadn't even considered that, man. Yeah, it's yeah, it's super, super sad, man. I, I, I was really starting to love Tess, you know? Oh, yeah. And like Anna Torv's character performance was just fantastic with this. It really didn't want to see her go so early. But this whole episode, I was just watching it on the edge of my seat every single moment being like like when she was sitting in with her back to that open window. I was like, is our, our, our gross-looking hands just going to reach her and grab her and pull her back in? It, at what point are we going to see her get infected? I mean, it was just it, the title of this episode. I, I knew she wasn't in much of the the promo art. Uh, everything that I've heard about The Last of Us is it's a lone wolf and cub story. It's not a lone wolves yeah. and cub story. So that means Tess's time in this is going to be very limited. And so I was very on edge watching this episode, just waiting for when it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I felt so bad last week when you guys were talking about how much you like Tess. And I'm like, oh, boy. Well, geez, <laughs> I know there is no way she makes it past last week. because It's pretty early in the game. So I'm like, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, it's one of those things with, uh, you know, even The Walking Dead uh, past the comic book where Shane dies in, you know, in the comic, they kept shane around a little bit longer you know so they can always deviate uh from the original source material but uh you know in 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 this series no it didn't happen (laughs) so they're not going to do much on the major beats i think i think the story is just so tried and true the people who know it that i think that there's like we're just gonna add to it but we don't really need there's nothing to fix yeah 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 that's a smart approach too uh, what happens now is a uh, one of the corpses comes to life, and Joel shoots it in the head. We then uh, on the ground we see tendrils kind of like move up in between the corpse's fingers, and this is like the underground fungal wiring that Tess was talking about before. It's now been activated, and there's a horde of zombies that have now been awakened and you know they have about a minute to clear out of the state house before a herd of these guys starts showing up oh and it's the entire 
group that we saw being like affected by the sun when yeah. they were on top of that hotel earlier. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a shitload of them. Tess tells Joel, save who you can save. And he grabs Ellie and drags her out of the building. Ellie says something like, you know, we can't leave her here. Get off me, you fucker. And it's in that moment. It's like both times that I watched this, it's like, you know, there's a moment where, you know, Tess is going to, you know, it's like she's going up to Joel to show her the bite. And he's like, step back. Oh, that flinch was perfect. And then even here, it's like Ellie has more of a. You can tell Ellie's more affected by this outwardly that Mm -hmm. they're leaving Tess. I don't know what's going on inside of Joel. Like this might be ripping him apart, tearing him apart. Yeah, I think it is. And he's just not showing it. And and I think that he's even confronting how much Tess meant to him in that moment and that he never allowed himself to see in the past. Mm hmm. Because briefly, it was like you, a part of him wanted to step forward and, and embrace her, but he knew that that time was past, and he, he can't. Tessa starts to, uh, you know, open up the barrels of gasoline, and grenades are on the ground. Um, the infected start running through the state house. One of them sees her. She's flicking her lighter. And uh, she can't get the thing to light. It just keeps sparking, keeps sparking. <laughs> There's always a goddamn Zippo that won't light. So yeah. much for the windproof lighter, right? Right. And then uh, she needs a new flint. Um, <laughs> I kind of took that as like maybe like because she got bit. So like in one of those danger zones, like near the neck and stuff that she was already losing like her motor functions. Like the lighter was fine and she just was already like losing it. Bill, Billy does not want to lose our Zippo sponsorship. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, we're grinding for that. <laughs> Survival stuff, flashlights, Zippos, we're, we're trying for all of it. Billy's like, I guess I don't know how much we're supposed to take, like, the fungus to be, like, sentient. I don't think that exactly. But, like, could her infection be stopping her from trying to destroy it? <laughs> I, I just like I think in a form I just think it like maybe she was already starting to lose like control of like motor control motor yeah 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 because you can see how much her hand I mean because her hand was shaking as she even dropped it and it made me question is that why she dropped it like at that point had she lost control but the the hand tremor made it so that she dropped it uh, it was a little ambiguous I thought once she lit it that's when she decided to drop it. Yeah, because she's definitely still in control enough to where she squeezes her eyes shut before the flames go up. Yeah. And she looks horrified when that thing is giving her the infected kiss. Oh, that was so horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. We see the tendrils working their way into her mouth. They're in contact for so long before the fire starts. And she just has to be there with it. It's so gross. We get the uh, outside shot of the building. Huge explosion from the state house. And we see, you know, some of the infected burning up, making their way out of the building. It's, uh, we just know that it's like, you know, that it's now it's, it, it is that lone wolf and cub story going forward. We've lost Tess and 
you know, we're going to get more of the interactions that we those awkward interactions that we saw earlier in the episode between Joel and Ellie where, you know, he's like, don't ask me any more questions about myself. They, they haven't – these two haven't opened up to each other at all. And the only reason he's doing this is a promise to Tess. I feel like if he had – if she wasn't dying and had not pleaded with him to make – to take her, that he would just go back to the QZ right now and take run the risk of her getting checked – of being infected and her getting killed. I think this all comes down to a promise to Tess. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And it, it makes me wonder what the the future is going to be like for these two, because she's got not only a reluctant, a reluctant protector, but maybe a protector that is like blaming her for the loss of his partner. Mm-hmm. It definitely, I think right now is like, that's the, the impetus right that's like what's going to put him say like on like the hero's journey right but i think as we'll continue to see like the relationship will begin to begin to continue to develop and then we'll be more for each other as well yeah fantastic episode oh my god i uh we're only two episodes in and i am just i i i i'm amazed at how much i love this story i can see why gamers like revere this for the story as well, not just the gameplay, but for the story as well, because like there is a story here. And, and it's, it's for me, it's one of those things where it's like, if you have the right people involved, Craig Mazine, who did Chernobyl, which I think is a masterpiece. And then you've got the guy behind the game putting, you know, like this is a passion project and they're, and they're putting a lot of thought and care into this. And if you have the right story to begin with, you can do a video game adaptation to series and it can work. So far, it's working. I mean, I, we're not, we're not, we haven't completed the first season yet, but it's working so far, man. I mean, you can tell by the raise in the, in, in the ratings to up 22%. This is, I think we're, I think we're reviewing and watching something very special here, guys. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that this is also a huge indicator that I, I hope future showrunners and, and directors take note of in that if a source material absolutely works, don't go out of your way to change it just to put your stamp on it. You know, it, it, this show shows that they can make changes and it, it still works. I mean, granted, I don't have the 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 experience of, of playing the game yet. I, I did get a copy of it, so I will be playing it at some point. But I don't have the experience of that original playthrough with it. But this storyline is absolutely working, even with the changes that that I understand now that they have made. It, it still works. And so I hope moving forward that that showrunners and directors are a little bit more accepting of source material when it works and not just making changes for the sake of making changes. Did I see somewhere that the next episode, episode three, and I agree with you, Joe. Did I see that the next episode is going to be an hour and 20 minutes? Yes, and apparently just from like the early like social media reaction for people who've watched the whole season, this episode three is like a standout of the whole season. Shit. Yeah, I've heard oh. that too. The oh, excellent. Banger. Bring it. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you just based off parts of like the game, like this next sub story and stuff, and like it seems like they're actually doing some things different, and obviously we'll be able to talk about that next week. Yeah. It's a it's a good one. It's a definitely a good 
episode and it felt like an episode within the game like that sub story so i'm really looking forward to seeing it play out on screen especially with the actors they have playing the parts all right that's really exciting do do we know if this is going to be a 10 episode series like it seems like a lot of hbo stuff is i think i saw nine or ten yeah okay cool i think i saw nine but it was like episode one was like two episodes almost in a way so yeah yeah, yeah. so i could see it being nine because it's, a, it's heard nine that as well it's nine episodes okay cool yeah nine episodes um, was rings of power nine episodes too no it was eight eight okay i was to say there have been some synergy there i'm loving how they're just like not saying we've got to make these episodes you know an hour you know oh yeah I love it when shows have that freedom to just make the episode as long as it needs to be to make that episode have the impact that they want it to have. Yeah, we don't have to worry about filler. We don't have to worry about, you know, not getting enough in that episode. I mean, they can flesh it out as much as they want to. And so I love the different run times of the episodes. And uh, man, I'm looking at the IMDb scores for the episodes. The first one is at a 9.2 and the second one is at a 9.4. Uh, first one has 41,000 votes. Um, and then the s- second episode has uh, 28,568 votes. I mean, 9.2, 9.4. Man, if gamers are upset, they're not letting IMDb know. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. The fans are – I mean people are really, really responding to this show. That's exciting. Very exciting, man. It's – I got my dad watching this because I – you know, my dad loves The Walking Dead. I was like, well, check out uh, The Last of Us. And I get like – you know, I get the obligatory text back from my dad, which is like very short because my dad doesn't like to type on the uh, phone. He's he's like the last of us. Very good. So that was there you go. I got the got the thumbs up from my old man for the last of us. But um, yeah, I cannot wait to watch the next episode. Um, but uh, any final thoughts on this episode, guys? Loved it. Loved yeah. it. Loved it. Right there with Billy. I absolutely loved this episode. Um, it, it, it feels like just from the reaction of people that have seen screeners that this is just indicative of what's to come, that we're really in for a treat here. And so far for episodes one and two, they've absolutely delivered. The intro scenes have been my favorite addition from things that weren't in the game. And obviously they're changing some things here and there, but those intro scenes so far, and I hope that's a theme throughout. Same. I hope we get one every episode. You know, last week off air, I'd said I wanted more Billy. And this week, I got more, but I got also got a lot of mocking this week <laughs> from Billy. You know, be careful what you wish for, right? No shit. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I let the genie out of the bottle. You know, genies or, or, or fucking leprechauns. You, you're going to fuck you on the those leprechaun. wishes. I like yeah. the leprechaun. You would. You are. Yeah. You remind me of a leprechaun. Not in height. <laughs> But in attitude. But yeah, we'll be back next week <laughs> reviewing episode three. And uh, seriously, I want to thank uh, the my, my my hosts on this one. Joe, as always, people can find us on Pop Culture Leftovers. Uh, what are we doing next week on the show? Oh, oh, we got some good stuff coming up next week. Um, 
Oh, we've got Shrinking, the new series on Apple TV Plus. It looks right. fantastic. Uh, we got a new series on Peacock called Poker Face uh, with Natasha Leone that I'm really looking forward and that's, to. Hey, that's that's Ryan Johnson behind that. I yes, was just about to yes, say, Ryan Johnson Ryan created. Johnson. <laughs> yeah, we got some great stuff that we're we're uh, covering next week. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, list. I started the Pez Outlaw today, Joe, on uh, on Netflix. <laughs> I went through and watched trailers on everything yesterday, and when I saw that one, I laughed out loud. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a fun one to discuss." Yeah, I got about 20 minutes left of the old Pez Outlaw. But uh, yeah, we we review all the the newest uh, movies and TV that are out that week, and uh, we also go over the news in uh, entertainment with a with a with a with a big focus on like Marvel and DC and Star Wars. So check us out on Pop Culture Leftovers. But you can also check out Melissa on her podcast, Melissa. Yeah, you can find me co-hosting the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Um, we are about to release some episodes about our favorite films of 2022. And I also track every movie I watch on Letterboxd. I'm Mel Yellow. And Billy. Uh, you can find me on the – I am the host of the Reality Guys YouTube channel. We cover anything and everything reality television. Right now we're covering things like The Bachelor, Below Deck, uh, Milf Manor, The Challenge, Married at First Sight. The Circle, really anything that you can think of reality TV, we're probably covering it. Just check us out on YouTube, social media, everywhere. I finally finished Too Hot to Handle Season 4. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Are You the One just started actually last week. We're going to review Episode 3 tonight. So Yeah, check out the reality guys. Check out the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Check out Pop Culture Leftovers. And we will be back next week. See ya. Later. Bye. Bye.